we tried to put in any given category kind of a range of yeah you know more moderate more conservative I would almost to, for almost every topic there is yeah. there is something like a tim keller tim mackey bible project uh nt right you nt know, right there's something like a sort of centrist view for that that language doesn't work as well for theology as it does for politics but mm -hmm. you know like a taking the scholarship seriously but certainly theologically orthodox there mm -hmm. is at least one or two of the 15 or so topics i mean 12 or 13 of them and yeah, then it, sure. it gets to more there's also stuff that is further left but it is not like only a list of liberal theology or progressive theology it doesn't only contain that that's not the point the point is for people to find where they're at and see if they are supposed to be shifting a bit one direction or the other the goal is not like i say on the intro of your permission the goal is not to make liberal converts this is like yeah. this is a resource to find where you're at and if you're here if you've come to this website you feel some need to be moving and you know find yourself and go from there before we get going a small ad break bear with me i'll be right back Hey there, everybody. How are you doing? I hope the answer to that question is that you were doing well and that February was fantastic. I pray that March is better. Before I got going, I wanted to say thank you to both Craig Webster and Tina Green. Craig and Tina are two of those beautiful people that have decided to help this show continue to be a show and grow and do all that it needs to do. And I am so very thankful. And so, if you've thought about that, if you've been on the fence, consider supporting the show on Patreon. You'll find all those links in the show notes. And I, and I get it. If you can't, it's fine. Totally fine. I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're listening. What you should do instead, just tell a friend about the show. It helps out more than you think. Now, there is a website on the internet, which I guess that makes the most sense because really, where else would websites be? if they weren't on the internet. But the word deconstruction is a word that gets thrown and bandied around quite a bit. And because of that, it has a lot of meanings for a lot of different people. But I think if you drilled it down, it's just someone that finds themselves in a crisis of faith. And I think that that crisis can be really from any faith. I approach it from a lens of Christianity, but... I know that others approach it from a different lens because I've had conversation with those that do. And so I know that none of us are alone. So that website, though, is literally called So You're Deconstructing. It is the brainchild of Seri Concepcion and Dan Koch. Now, Dan's been on the show back a while ago. I think we talked about end times and a bunch of other good things. I loved that episode. And I loved this conversation because we laughed. Matter of fact, I busted out laughing, just editing it. And you won't hear the reason that I laughed out loud, but the patrons will. They get an unedited version of the show, and I can promise you 
the pre-episode chatter is hilarious. So if you need another reason, jump on over there. So Sari, Dan, and I kind of break down that website, the reasons, the why, some of their thought processes, and some of the feedback of people that have used it. I have spent some time on the site as well. I really do enjoy it. I found some new information and some helpful information for myself. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. And let's do it. It's worse to make the same mistakes and learn nothing from it. It's easy to say we go to war with sympathy right before we take moral victories from mortal enemies. Is it original sin born in misery? Or is the source that's giving me life the court is killing me? Or is it a cycle that we could break if we wanted? All the bondage of thoughts taking us hostage. We've all heard someone that didn't deserve it. Sari, I don't know how to say your last name. Concepcion, is that right? Good enough for me. It's not. It's <laughs> yeah. not right. Concepcion. We, we did it. Concepcion. Yeah. Absol- Concepcion. You did I'm good. not. I'm not going to do that again. Not even to try. And Dan <laughs> Coke, welcome back to the show. I'm yes. glad that y'all both made time. Uh, so, I, from what I understand, you're in like different states. So we're we're now interna- international, intercontinental. That's the word. We're we're committing. If we commit crimes, they're federal crimes because we're crossing state lines. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, <laughs> I guess so. Sorry, let's start with you. Dan's been on the show before, and so for lazy people like myself, I'll just put something in the show notes. You can hear about Dan's stuff, and you can kind of abbreviate that, Dan, for the first time that they've opened the Dan door. But Sari, people that are new to new to your voice or new to your yeah yeah, who are you? What are you? The things. Um, I'm just a. Just a lady living in Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm from Los Angeles and I just moved to Portland, Oregon a few months ago with my husband and a one year old baby girl. And I had a long, uh, a long like first career in the entertainment business, music industry and film industry before just deciding to leave it all behind and get a seminary degree. So I actually worked for Rob Zombie for many years, if Mm. people know who that is, (laughs) working on horror films and heavy metal, and then decided to go to seminary. So I have a very contrasting chapters in my life. I went to Fuller Seminary, got a master's in theology, and then ended up working there for a while. And recently started working for a nonprofit, doing communications for them. My nonprofit does uh, grant work at the intersection of faith and science. And my side hustle is this uh, website I do with Dan yeah. called SoYourDeconstructing.com, which we're going to talk about on the show tonight. And I also have another side hustle of being kind of a filmmaker and a writer. So, What do you actually like to do? Like if you could pick one of those and you're doing that I all am, weekend um, alone. I think I entered seminary sort of hoping to be like an edgy C.S. Lewis where... <laughs> I would do both. Like I'd write about theology and I'd also write like my sci-fi, you know, genre fiction on the side. So I am doing both those things. I just uh, hold it down with a a day job. So I say I equally love like I'm a theology nerd and I'm also like a sci-fi horror nerd as well. So that is um, fantastic. I can't really get around doing both. Huh. Dan, what is the abridged version for yourself? I just have to say that SoYourDeconstructing.com is a pretty bad side hustle, given that all it does is cost us money and not earn any money. <laughs> That's a good clarification. <laughs> we pay for hosting, and, <laughs> and uh, we spend our time promoting it, and it does not earn a dollar. Um, so I guess it's everyone else's side hustle on their behalf that you're doing it. Uh, so the abridged version of my story, Seth, is that 
I was in a rock and roll band called Sherwood for 10 years mm-hmm. um, and then finished that, went back to school, finished my philosophy undergrad, took some time off, composed ad- advertising music basically since then for the last eight years or so, and uh, started theology podcasting about five years ago mm-hmm. and then started a doctoral degree in psychology about a year and a half ago. And I host the You Have Permission podcast. And I met Sari through a very fun two-week seminar at Fuller Seminary a year and a half ago called Theopsych, which was about science and religion. Um, and I was there as a media person. She invited me because of the podcast, and we became friends. And and uh, that's and eventually started working on the site together. Yeah. So I want to get to the site. I've spent some time in it, though I want to be really clear, not a massive amount of time in it because I don't spend a massive amount of time really anywhere except for at work and uh, currently uh, Canvas and Google Classroom as I ensure that my children actually submit their coursework because of COVID. But I am curious, what is a holy fawn? And I'm aware that many people listening have no idea what your shirt says, but I can't stop wondering. Oh, it's a band. Okay. Kind of like a it's always a band shoegazy and heavy band that I like a lot. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Okay, so so you're deconstructing. Why? Like, what is the reason to make a a, a repository of I guess resources is the best way that I would use it? And maybe yeah. you have that in the website, and maybe I stole those words. I don't think I did. Um, yeah, it's it's resources mainly. Yeah, so what's the purpose there? Like, what made the two of you get together and 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 say, all right, this needs to exist in the world? Well, I will start just because it started with a tweet of mine, and then Sari can fill in the meat because she's better at that than I am. Uh, I do. Are you familiar, Seth, with the um, movement? It gets better. No. Okay, so it's like uh, I don't know how to describe it. If it's maybe it's technically an organization now, but it. It was kind of like a slogan at one point for like gay teenagers. And it was like older gay people started this thing called It Gets Better. Basically like, hey, you know, this is a rough time. We know you feel ostracized. It gets better. You're not going to feel this way all through your adulthood. And I jokingly tweeted one day, it gets better, but for former evangelicals or Hmm. deconstructing Christians or something like some joke like that. And then... Like, I think later that day I replied to my own tweet going, hey, actually, maybe this is kind of a good idea. And then (laughs) Siri was like, I think it's a good idea. If you actually want to do that, I would like to do it with you. And I said, I would love to do it with you. Then I'll actually do it. And that that began it. So then what did it become, Siri? You can explain better than me. Yeah, we just wanted to make a curated group of resources for people who were in that space of newly deconstructing and having gone through it ourselves and having a lot of friends who've been through it, um, it seemed like something that was needed. Um, it seems like a lot of times when you start deconstructing, you might hear of something that sounds like an answer to a question, and that leads you to another something and another something and another voice. Um, so we thought it'd be helpful to have like, a lot of that stuff in the same place. So, um, you know, the meat of our site, a lot of it is in the topics page where we break it down um, by issues that are usually pretty salient for people who are in that beginning phase of deconstruction. Mm. But we have other stuff too. We have resources about, you know, figuring out if you should go to therapy and if you want to go to therapy, what are some, how do you go about finding a therapist and what does it look like to find a community if you're feeling ostracized from 
your, you know, your old church community or whatever. So sort of treating it holistically. I think Dan brings a lot of that therapeutic kind of voice. He, you know, he really championed the the therapy section of the website because he's he's a budding wait uh, doctoral fella. <laughs> I like, yeah, I, I'm a doctoral fella. There's this thing in academia called being a doctoral fellow or a postdoctoral fellow. Mm -hmm. I'm not that. I'm not a fellow, but I am a fellow. I thought fellows were like just medical doctors. I thought those were fellowships, right? I think in different disciplines, fellow means different things. Uh Um, But it's it's definitely an academic thing that I'm poking fun at. So I'm I'm just Mm. a doctoral fella. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, anyway. I'm training to be a therapist. Yes. He's so, training to be a therapist is what I was yeah. trying to say. How so much that part was important for me. Uh and and I think that um there also it turned out to be kind of a cool way to answer a question that I get all the time anyway, unrelated to the kind of topics page of like, you know, there's questions about hell and the Bible and science and you know, LGBTQ issues and all that. Sort of separate from that, people often ask like how do I find a therapist who knows what I'm going through mm. as like a a person for whom faith is part of what I want to talk about in therapy? Some sort of wounding, some sort of transition, maybe difficulty with family members because of a faith change or oftentimes within a marriage, uh, an imbalance of faith change. And so that was actually kind of a cool opportunity to think through that. And um, Siri was able to ask a couple professors from Fuller uh, and I was able to ask a couple people that I trust on sort of like, how would we, how would you best describe like going about that? And it turns out there are some pretty cool ways to do it. And so we have a little, for instance, a little tutorial of how to find someone on psychologytoday.com, which is the biggest uh, directory of therapists in America hmm. who specializes in spirituality. I didn't know that that was a thing until I started looking through this to try and answer that question. I didn't know that that was a thing until you just said that. Because again, right. I was honest enough to tell you I did, I did not. Dive. Well, that's that's very you know the therapy page is uh, a bit more of like a lot of text for people who are really considering something, and you know there's I wouldn't have expected you to find that yeah. on a on a cursory look. Yeah. Side tangent because therapy is a is a is a triggering topic for my family lately. So there are we've tried to find therapists for mm. different reasons that I'm not going to put on this podcast, at least not yeah, for right sure. now. And I've never been so infuriated by a system as the mm-hmm. lack of qualified, um, at least therapy, in what we were looking for. And, and, and one person actually um, refused to be in network and had like a cover charge that was so high, it was more than my mortgage just to get care. And I was like, you realize you're price fixing um, uh, uh, wow. you're price fixing to rich people to get medic to get medical attention here, and this is not right. Anyway, soapbox for the yeah. day. But you said that, and so I am going to go to that resource. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's been my thing for the last few months. I'm just pissed at the world about that. <laughs> um, By the way, the one of the cool things about psych- the world of psychology, I'm sure it's true in other like medical fields, is there are these ethics boards, and if you think that someone really is price gouging or price fixing, you you should report them to the if they're a doctor to the APA, um, if not like your state medical licensure or whatever. And Mm -hmm. because that's, it's a violation of the ethical code that we agree to. They're probably not breaking any laws, but that's how I felt. Like I literally, as a banker, (laughs) um, which is what I do, I was like, this 
feels like redlining, well, and I know that's illegal. So right. anyway, yeah, so Sarah, do you think that deconstructing is a necessary evil of having faith of any sort, not necessarily a Christian faith, well, but just period? Um, I, I'm not going to speak with a great level of expertise to that question, but I think part of becoming an adult is deconstructing whatever you were raised with. So I, I think, I think that pretty much everyone has to go through that phase of like owning what they were given. Mm. And from my experience, from what we're seeing right now, it, it, it seems like that's happening a lot where people are ending up really far from where, where they started and not just like, you know, not just moving the needle, like, Oh, I'm a little more liberal than my parents. You know, mm. <laughs> it's like completely being like, nah, Baby's got to go with the bathwater. See ya, you know? Yeah. So, and that's part of the, the website that I tried to emphasize kind of throughout, especially in the topics area on the homepage and the messaging. It was really huge for me to learn about the breadth of the Christian tradition. And there's not a lot of literacy about that. I feel like uh, the, the rich history of the Christian tradition, what the history is like, uh, thought leaders outside of a certain narrow you know, succession of, you know, Calvin to Edwards to, you know, gospel coalition, you know, like the lot, yeah. there's a lot of other branches on the tree and it's really exciting and refreshing to me. If we can get outside of the in-group out-group thinking of certain creed, a certain denomination and just see what the, the breadth of the tradition has to offer. I think um, it's really exciting and it can reignite your spiritual imagination, mm. which is what I experienced when I kind of cracked it open and was like, oh man, like I didn't even know like that that was an option, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think there are people who don't need to deconstruct. Like it kind of depends on what parts we're talking about deconstructing. It's sort of like if you're raised hyper-fundamentalist, then in order for you to be a healthy person, you have to deconstruct. You, you, There are elements of your faith that are going to be so toxic to you that you can stay in it and and basically be miserable, or you can deconstruct. But our friend Tripp, for instance, was raised like liberal Baptist, and basically That's a thing? whenever he describes Tripp Fuller... Sorry. No, liberal Baptist. I'm, yeah, Tripp Fuller like is American, a thing. Yeah. American Baptist. His <laughs> parents were, uh, were church planners... And like when he describes his childhood, it's like, oh, that's exactly the way I want to raise my child. Like he wouldn't he did. He ended up doing some deconstruction because he studied philosophy and he went down his own path. But someone raised in his shoes, I don't think necessarily would need to deconstruct that. What we what where it starts to get problematic for me is when somebody in your community growing up or whatever or in college or at some point starts to universalize the particular aspects of your faith tradition and say that that's the real one and judge everyone else by that measure. Once you do that, then you have to at least contextualize your faith and recognize it as part of a broader tradition, a broader spectrum on all kinds of different questions. Otherwise, you will, you're basically being a bigot of some kind or mm. another. So it's kind of like, yeah, there are people who don't need to, but, you know, most of us, it seems these days, and especially with the, you know, just the massive ascendancy of white evangelical Christianity in over the last 50 years in America, we are just seeing a huge population of people 
who I think mostly do have to come to terms with that. Yeah. With with a with a few exceptions where their particular church and family and whatever were just awesome. Other than those people, yeah, you, you gotta go through some of it, but it's very variable what you have to go through. And it depends a lot on your personality and the specifics of your upbringing. So, and either one of you can answer this. So what went into deciding which topics actually made the uh, flow chart for deconstruction? As, as I guess as it's related to this website specifically, because I think you could say you could destruct, liter- deconstruct literally in every, any, anything yeah. and everything. So what kind of went into choosing these tents? It, I think we were both in this world, right, Sari? It wasn't even, it wasn't like necessarily difficult to figure out what, you know, I've, I've got three podcasts under my belt. I know which episodes get clicked on the most. <laughs> uh, Sari has been involved in all these academic conversations around these questions. I mean, it, the let's say the top 10 at least were kind of no-brainers probably. Yeah, they just came right, you know, ob- like there were some super obvious ones that are, we're on the top of the list and it's clear too because i can look at the back end of our site and see what's getting clicked on and it's like yeah okay we were right you know but there's still we're still adding stuff that's right. the thing about the site too this the site's still being changed and added to and and um actually that was one of the reason i listened to your recent conversation with Brad Jerzak was because someone emailed me and said, I'm deconstructing from a strongly charismatic background. And uh, me and my sister, we have questions about demons and Satan. Mm. And like, we need resources on this. So I'm like, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like started doing a little research. And, you know, that was one that I that I sent to her. Yeah. Um, so Sari right now is working on a new topic around sort of demons, Satan, the spiritual realm. Yeah. And I just worked on one that just went up last week around religious and spiritual abuse because that's what I'm studying as part of my dissertation. And so we are we're adding as we go as people kind yeah. of bring things up that we we recognize there are holes in yeah. the site. Yeah. Yeah. Or stuff's like a broad umbrella that we might break up into categories, you know. Right. As as things go. What's on. been the one that you've been like, god, I can't find any I, I I'm struggling to find really good resources and I should add these. Like has has there been one where you're like, god, I would that's a great question. It should be deconstructed. And I don't know where to point you. Have you come up against that, either one of you? I have a question that uh, I get asked all the time for the podcast and would also put on the site, which is, how do I navigate my family relationships around conspiracy theories? <laughs> and there's just some people have some ideas. Um, there there are I found a few good articles and I'm, I've been trying to interview you know, one of those authors, maybe none of that's faith based. It's all just general psychology so, yeah. around talking to conspiratorial folks that that is like the freshest wound right now i think in our little subculture of sort of former evangelicals is like oh my gosh what do i do with like when my dad likes QAnon or you know like that's fresh and uh not so clear to me yeah. sorry do you have an idea um, not about, sorry, about not, do you have an idea of how to solve that? Do you have a question? No, I know. You're also, <laughs> what's the answer, Sari? <laughs> um, gosh, for me, I guess what just came to mind was certain types of resources that I wish existed. Like, you know, sometimes people do have like an intellectual problem they need to solve. And sometimes they just need to hear other people tell their stories and to feel like not alone. Like, mm. I was raised being taught this. And so I'm hoping 
sometimes I wish there was more, you know, personal testimonies, people telling their own stories of deconstruction so people could hear and feel, you know, feel that kinship, feel less alone. Yeah. You know, am I, was I the only the, one who was taught? Yeah. Am I hearing the but, genesis of some original SewYourDeconstructing.com content in your voice here, <laughs> Sari? It could be. Just the beginnings of be. an idea? It could be. <laughs> Might have to make my own. I want to piggyback on that because I've had a thought for a while. And a lot of it is, so I'm going to have to preface this a bit. So I get disgusted with myself often when I see my own Facebook memories. Because I've had Facebook long enough that you had to like have a .edu and go to the right university to have yeah. Facebook. <laughs> and some of the things that I have said, I don't recognize myself anymore. And so I'm tempted. Those are part of my story and they're valid, especially when it deals with like religion and my politics and how those two are commingled. Like I'm ashamed of it and I don't want it on the internet anymore. And yeah, you so, delete it? Uh, no, I hide it, but it's still there. Um, like a, there's a, there's a button that says, don't let anybody but me see this, at least on Facebook. But I'm curious in a world of deconstructing and especially on social media where we're all so isolated and insular, where you say the one wrong thing from 15 years ago, and I'm not allowed to grow apparently, and neither are you, Sari, and neither are you, Dan. Like how does someone safely deconstruct on the internet, I guess is what I'm asking because, and, and come to grips with the past that they've also put on the internet interesting question i mean it probably only applies to public figures in the kind of strict kind of cancel culture sense mm -hmm. like well i guess i don't know and I, I i don't know a lot about that topic i know there have been court cases around like just regular uh, like a, a cheerleader or something and a court case that went all the way to the supreme court or whatever um to play on you know like a, a team or something like that but you know, I think for the average person, no one is really holding our old Facebook posts against us. Uh, I, I haven't had anybody do that, although I did have a very interesting, we, we don't have to spend time on this, but I had a like almost like one of those Berenstein, Berenstain, Bears things where I was like, I had a couple people very close to me say that they thought that I became affirming of homosexuality like a couple years ago. And my recollection is that it was when I was like 23 or something, you know, like 14 years ago. And I had to kind of litigate this and I had to like call the drummer of Sherwood and like, okay, and then call my dad and like, like, am I misremembering this? Like, do you remember these conversations we had, dad? You know, like when I was about this age, anyway, I was able to work it out. But like, that was like the only experience I can think of where mm. someone actually brought something like that up and and i disagreed or i you know it, it had some import so i'm not sure I, I guess i haven't i maybe should be more worried about it as a some sort of public figure than i am i don't know huh. it's hard i mean i think i don't think the internet is a safe space you know mm -hmm. to to deconstruct but nor are most like irl social spaces you know it's a discernment process for sure and, you know, we have a section called communities on our site where we indicate some like private Facebook groups or, you know, chat groups or Slack groups or whatever, where people are deconstructing together. And I think, Dan, I think you do a pretty good job of your, you know, your patron group on Facebook of keeping it pretty safe where people, people seem pretty yeah. open to share, you know, people but People are also I, willing to participate in that. It's not all on me, but yeah. Right. No, but, and people are doing a, a pretty good job in there, but yeah, I mean, I totally sympathize with what you're saying, Seth, because even thinking of things I said in rooms with groups of 15 people 
10 years ago, I think back to stuff I said and I feel that like hot mm -hmm. shame chest feeling yeah no. well the reason so the reason i ask is so a few months ago before the election from like six years ago so this would have been when i think older than that so when romney was running i had said something and yeah. and um i've 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 been told that i have a way to be very cutting with my words i don't know if that's true because i don't think i write all that well but other people sometimes do and so someone shared something that i had tagged them in and it's my voice and I disagree with it 180%. And then yeah, I was like, yeah. I can't, I don't know that I can take that down because how bad does that look? You know what I mean? But I also was like, everybody can see this and that is not who I am anymore. And then I had a lot of people asking me questions privately, which was fine, but exhausting. And I was like, yeah. oh, this, this is not fun. <laughs> this is, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's it's a weird question and not necessarily entirely directly related to the website. Well, but it's but I think there's a way I wanted to share something that Mark Karras, who uh, is a past and upcoming guest on You Have Permission, two different episodes in his book, Religious Refugees. He he's also a therapist. So mm -hmm. his book comes from research he's done of the available literature, but also just experience with clients going through faith change. And he calls it an unholy huddle. This is his term for like, this is one of the um, necessary factors for growth through this through this experience is you need a, a huddle of a handful of people that are safe to talk about this stuff with. And I bet if you asked him, uh, I didn't ask him this at the time, he would say, this should be as offline as possible. Hmm. You know, in terms of like definitely thinking through a therapeutic lens of like, who's this safe person or these safe people you know this is not this is not something you want to be performative it's not something about your personal brand this is like a truly for you and your friendships you know space a safe a safe place to to process all of this and depending on where you live in the country who your who your community is uh, you know constituted of uh, that can be either quite easy to find a few people who are safe like that, or it can be very difficult to find. And maybe it has to be online because there is nobody in your rural Arkansas yep. town that you could talk about this with, you know, especially then there's the COVID thing as well. But yeah, I, that it just made me think of that. And that seems to me uh, very wise, hmm. um, a, a very, a very wise thing to include in the sort of plan toward health. Yeah. Yeah, I have Mark's book. I haven't read it, though. I will say his Divine Echoes book was formative in the way that I approach prayer. Um, oh, cool! Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you've read that book, either of you. I haven't is. read. I haven't read either of them. I read enough of. I I often peruse books and and highlight stuff that I want to talk about and look mm -hmm. at. I read intros and outros and chapter titles and <laughs> skim the stuff that I'm curious about. I mean, I just I'm in school. I don't have time. I don't have time to read any book i want to read basically right now so but you have time like, for the holy fun i have time to listen to music yeah i mean i got an 11 month old music's on all day we're just hanging out <laughs> yeah the balance of how much literature or nonfiction i consume to how much new music i consume has shifted massively since having a kid mm. it's like and in school i'm sure is a part of that too i tons of music so that's been actually really great. <laughs> the best part, though, Dan, is when your kids get older and you introduce them to like Weezer 
and that type of stuff and they're thrilled by it and so now like my kids will be like alexa play weezer and i'm like please uh, don't do it okay good it's just asleep. the first two albums though uh well they only uh, know I, I go deeper, I go deeper. <laughs> well they got that song that from mean. frozen the the entry way the entry point there was frozen too oh my god yeah. what's funny Whatever is when takes. we watched that in the theaters in the back of my mind i was like why does this sound like a weezer song and then when the soundtracks came at the end i'm like because they freaking wrote the song. Because they've got like a voice, but um, oh yeah. So, uh, Sari, I want to purist, and that horrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get over it. It's no Rob Zombie. Pinkerton <laughs> um, um, so, all the way. <laughs> so, uh, it's that time. I have to try to pay the bills. Be right back after this small break. Like I'm the one who wrote it. All my hallelujahs broken. So I collect them and stitch them together and plead for atonement. Tell the ones you love most to go in peace. I always believe if you love it, then you gotta let it leave. If it comes back, then it's meant to. If it don't return, then it ain't meant to be. I always been told, despite what the evidence shows, there's more good than bad out here, and I think I'm good for your soul. The part of your website that I spent the most time digging into. Um, is the spiritual practices because there's been one Ooh. practice that I've done uh, for about two years now um, because of a book that I read, The Examine, and and it's been I do it every day. But I'm curious as y'all put those together. That's my favorite part of the of the whole website because I think that those practices and and making new disciplines is extremely important for somebody that's deconstructed. Because yes. for me, I was like, well, now I don't know what to do. Like I can't go to church. Yes, I don't know how to freaking pray. And I don't know what to do. I don't, do I hold my hands? You know, so can either of you talk a bit about the practices section, kind of what went into it, what's impactful for y'all in it? Um, Because I think that that is arguably as important as a dogma. I was was sitting here, sorry to interrupt you. I was sitting here being like, how do we pivot to practices? Because I don't (laughs) want to talk about that part. (laughs) But you did it. But I think it was a big part for both of us. Uh, it's a big deal for both of us. You, Dan, why don't you talk about? Well, let me let me motivate a little bit from what I understand of the psychology research on why you had that experience, Seth, and why so many of us do, um, especially for those of us who have had some kind of legitimate trauma that exits us out of a religious community, be that, um, you know, oftentimes it's a controlling pastor or some sort of controlling group within a church and then, you know, family rifts and all, all kinds of stuff. We can then associate that pain with the practices. Or, uh, for instance, e- even if you don't have any trauma, um, j- <laughs> for me, it's like if someone goes, Father God, mm. like I immediately know, mm-hmm. like I'm transported back to a certain specific <laughs> time in my evangelical upbringing. Mm. And if I associate that church and that whatever with bad things, with really not Christ or whatever, then I'm, you know, triggered is maybe a strong word for that, but we can, the, the well can be poisoned quite easily if we've had bad experiences. And so one thing that's cool about finding spiritual practices, it is cool that they're older in a lot of cases. Many, many of these are hundreds of years old, but even if they weren't, even if they're just different, uh, is like, oh, there's no, I don't have any associations with the examine. Yeah. Or with uh, I had no associations when I started doing centering prayer and the book that was the big one for me is is uh, the fourth item 
on the list on the website, Experiencing the Depths of Jesus Christ by Madame Guyon, and who's a 18th, 1800s uh, French nun. And like, just to have no baggage is itself powerful to just, especially if you're raised Christian, everything has baggage. It has your whole life and family and your friendships and your, your adolescence and, you know, all that stuff is tied up in it. And so I just think that's interesting to kind of motivate why that stuff can be so powerful. Mm. Um, Sari, but you, you could be a little more autobiographical with your own story. Yeah. I mean, cracking open spiritual practices for me started with mindfulness. And around the same time, I started to read about more Eastern Orthodox prayer practices too. So I would do sort of a hybrid thing where I would practice mindfulness and then like pick like one verse or, you know, phrase from a verse to, to meditate on. And it just cracked open a lot of just experiencing God, what I, from what I could, from, I don't know, from what I could tell, from what I could experience. And I started to loosen my grip on a lot of things. All of these spiritual practices are pretty much lost on like contemporary evangelicalism. Mm. So it was new, it was fresh, and it was moving my anchor of spirituality from just like getting all the facts right to uh, a more lived embodied experience of God. That ended up being really, I don't know, it's just a, a real pivot for me because prior to that, it had been all about getting the facts straight, getting doctrine right. And once you you tooled around with that well enough, then you were kind of good with God. Um, it totally reoriented me and and my faith. Tongue-in-cheek question and then a legitimate question. So and I only thought of this, Dan, because of what you said. So when you say Father God in a prayer, like I'm immediately transported to you know 13-year-old youth group or whatever. But I am curious, the correlation of the amount of Father Gods to the prayer coming true, um, <laughs> how many do you think that is like a percentage of the prayer what 30% 50% I think it's inverse I think that the more the more father gods you put in the clearer it is that you're just riffing and don't know what to pray in a public performance setting but like want to sound good yeah. and authoritative exactly. like right. some folks throw that in like every other word mm. man like oh, it's yes. bad yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. To where you don't even know what the prayer is anymore. You're just one, two, three, five, twenty-six, thirty-two. Yeah. Um, I want to actually. Can I add a very brief biographical detail on the spiritual practices yeah. thing before we move on? Mm -hmm. Just that for me, the way it worked out in my story was uh, six, seven years ago or so when I started doing centering prayer. People have very different experiences, but my experience was like immediate of God's overwhelming, joyful and accepting presence. And I wasn't able to admit to myself that I'm a liberal Christian. I just am. Like, I'm a Christian. I follow Jesus. But my ideas that make sense to me, the theological concepts that make sense to me, are the ones that liberal Christians believe. They're the ones I would find in an Episcopal church, not the ones I would find in a Calvary chapel. And I couldn't actually admit that to myself, probably out of anxiety of being wrong, and, and being in God's bad graces or something until I felt that overwhelming assurance of God's love for me. And I say that not everybody experiences that because I've had friends that early on in those days, I was like, well, this is the answer. And I would try and get them to experience it and they would try and not all of them would have that experience. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And some of them did. Sari and I have talked and we've had quite similar experiences, but I have many friends that didn't have those. And so I don't like to say that I don't want to push that as like a fundamental part of the journey. But for me, it was completely tied to some of the more abstract stuff that now I'm free to discuss on the podcast and put together this list with Sari and mm-hmm. chat with my liberal theologian friends. You know, all that stuff came after I knew I was loved. And actually, after that experience, a lot of the personal relationship kind of conversion experience language of my youth in, as an evangelical made more sense to me after yeah. I directly experienced God and realized I was a liberal. That That's one of the great ironies. That's actually what I was going to say as you were retelling that story was as a young kid, the Jesus story and the concept of God's love really ignited my sense of like imagination and beauty mm. and over the years, like it sort of got zapped away. And then, yeah, the spiritual practice made that made sense to me again. Yeah. And, uh, well, everyone's been autobiographical except for me. So I will, so I will say for myself, like, um, I don't ever get, I don't ever get autobiographical. I don't, I can't even say the word on, on my own podcast, which is weird. Listeners need to know who it is they're listening. I, yeah, I think we've established (laughs) that the things that I say on the internet are not really worthwhile, but I will say when I, (laughs) when I make more time for new spiritual practices, like I find that I grow a lot in uncomfortability, but like I have to commit personally for like at least a year to do something because for the mm. first three months, I don't know what the freak I'm doing and I don't know what to expect. Mm. You know what I mean? But that's just me. Yeah. It's really hard to foster discipline. I have. Oh gosh. It comes. It, it, yeah. It's yeah. really hard. Yeah. I barely prayed in 11 months since my son was born. <laughs> I mean, I pray like through being, spending time with him, but my, my actual discipline of practice has, I mean, it's plummeted like never before. In the toilet with the baby. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. and, and <laughs> this is a bit tongue in cheek, but so I would try I, with my first child, because Dan, this is your first child, right? And, and Sari, yeah. this is your Me first too, child yeah. as well. So yeah. on my first child, I tried to do the thing where I would stay awake when my wife would be feeding, you know, my son when we were, you know, at home. And I would often get caught not staying awake. And um, I would be (laughs) praying every single time. That was my excuse. Every single time as to why my head was bowed and my eyes were closed. So I would encourage you to pray in that way, Dan. Um, Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really get you off the hook and everybody knows that you're lying and even worse about prayer, but whatever. That was my excuse. And I'll still do it to today because... What, what you can't, what are you going to do? You threw the Jesus card in there. So what has the feedback been? So how long has the website even been up? When did it go? When did it become a thing? October ish or something. It went, it went live, right? Yeah. But yeah. I kind like of think the launch. When did we do trips podcast? <laughs> Cause that's uh, when I feel like it really like a month and a half, two months ago that yeah. we actually, yeah. we did yeah. a little launch party on homebrewed Christianity um, right. And that was kind of when we. So the reason prior I. Prior to that, we were just sending it to friends and just soliciting feedback from right. people we trusted. You were, Seth, you were an early feedback you were one of the yeah. solicitor. I remember saying something. I don't remember what I said. I hope it was helpful. Maybe it was. <laughs> maybe it wasn't. The uh, Yeah. So the reason I ask is when I look at everything there, just at a glance, I can see one of two things happening. People saying, thank you for putting this together and for the effort because, again, you don't, there's nowhere to click support the thing at least i didn't see it at the time or you're either going to get thank you for putting all this heresy on the internet for you to corrupt my children oh my like, god i think those this is th- actually the time for sari to share our first hate mail and it did not <laughs> come first- from where you would think it would have come really from. we've got our first hate email only one so far <laughs> 
Okay. Yeah. Tell most us, people, most people have been like, this is so helpful. Mm. Thank you so much. This is amazing. First, first piece of hate mail we got was an email with the subject line. You're part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> all caps. And it was so, yeah, it actually was all lowercase, which made it even more scary. Yeah, that's um, yeah. <laughs> like whispering. No, You're but part it, of the problem. But it was just people, someone who thought that just Christianity was altogether inherently evil. And yeah, progressive um, Christianity is not, in this person's opinion, is not better. It is just like it's worse because it enables Christianity to survive longer and Christianity is itself the problem from mm. this right. guy's perspective. And I was like, wow, I mean, that is n that I, I don't think in a hundred years I would have guessed that that would be the first piece of hate mail we receive. I, we assume right? it would be from, you know, conservative folks or whatever saying we're yeah. leading people astray, people astray yeah. which it's coming. I get <laughs> I get that argument, I guess. Um I can see where somebody would make that argument. I if we think... ever get a write-up, you know, on Gospel Coalition or something, I'm sure we'll get plenty of those emails. But mm. that would be well would worth it. That. I mean, I can I, I can submit that. it as a as a request. I'm sure there's a please write about this. No, I, I won't that do it. That would be great. I'm lacing up my gloves. My yeah. gloves. Well, I mean, we tried to put diversity on there. I mean, like. We tried to put in any given category kind of a range of, yeah. you know, more moderate, more conservative. I almost, to... For almost every topic, there is yeah. there is something like a Tim Keller, Tim Mackey Bible Project. Uh, N.T. Wright. You know, N.T. Wright. There's something like a sort of centrist view. for that, that language doesn't work as well for theology as it does for politics. But, mm -hmm. you know, like a taking the scholarship seriously, but certainly theologically orthodox. There mm -hmm. is at least one or two of the 15 or so topics. I mean, 12 or 13 of them. And yeah, then it, sure. it gets to more. There's also stuff that is further left. But it is not like only a list of liberal theology or progressive theology. It doesn't only contain that. That's not the point. The point is for people to find where they're at and see if they are supposed to be shifting a bit one direction or the other. The goal is not, like I say on the intro of your permission, the goal is not to make liberal converts. This is like yeah. this is a resource to find where you're at. And if you're here, if you've come to this website, you feel some need to be moving and, you know, find yourself and go from there. So we're coming close to the end of the time. Uh, I've asked this to everybody and I'm not going to stop because I really enjoyed it. I don't, it doesn't matter. Here we go. I've been asking everyone when you say here's what God is, like you give words to that, what is that? And so in, in no particular order, whoever wants to go, what is that? Thanks for the heads up, Seth, on <laughs> that, a question like I, that. I gave people heads up at the what beginning. Is God? Yeah, who, what? I mean, give it word. It doesn't matter. Like there's, there's not really a right or wrong answer, right? I mean, uh -huh. maybe, uh, maybe there's not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Well, I'll start, Sari. I'll give you some time, but I but you have to know that I'm doing this a little uh, bit. What does Brad Jerzak say? Just <laughs> Quickly, Siri. <laughs> um, by the way, Sari, anytime I say your name out loud, my phone. I goes, know. Huh? Everybody says it. Too. Okay. Uh, so, like, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about this, but I would be, for now anyway, a panentheist, which is the idea that. Everything in the universe is within God, but God is also more than the universe. So to say something like God is sustaining the universe 
would be to put it mildly from where I'm coming from. Uh, everything is within God, all of us. Not that we are all little Jesuses in a kind of a new agey way, um, but rather that everything is shot through with God's love and intention and, and lure and directionality in some way. And so God is both everything in the universe and God is the thing drawing the universe closer to and us and everything in it closer to love, harmony, um, closer to the kingdom of heaven where the lion and the lamb can lay down to a, to a non-combative, non-coercive existence of some sort or another, which if it comes to pass, I have no real language for because I can't imagine it given the world that I experience other than through metaphors like the holy mountain in Isaiah that Jesus quotes and, you know, all that kind of stuff. That's my answer. I don't really like the answer. It feels unsatisfying. <laughs> well, maybe just in the presentation. Well, I yeah. Well, I will say. So I have personally learned more about the character of God from asking this question to like sixty mm. people than some of the books that I've read. Um, wow. Which is why I don't give people any preference of the question because um, I don't like that planned answer because I just don't feel like it's as authentic. But that's maybe yeah. that's just. Maybe that's just me. I did my best to make it sound like it was planned. Yeah. Well, you did great. <laughs> okay, Sari, <laughs> your time is up. You have to answer now. Um, God is a loving spirit who sees me and knows me and is calling all people and things to God's self. And that's the best I can do right now. That's good. That's perfectly fine. Um, (laughs) All right. So point people to the places. What door do they open to get into the So You're Deconstructing headspace? And then where do they go? Like if they went one place first when they got there, where would you direct people to click? Oh, that's good. Well, actually, one of the pages we haven't talked about that would be a good place to start is the testimonies page. Mm. And that is pretty straightforward. I I just did a call out to all the um, You Have Permission Facebook group folks and had them answer this question of like, describe for me what it was like going through your own deconstruction process. And then I categorized 50 or 60 or so of these. That's a job things uh, by topic. It, was, it wasn't that hard. And so on the testimonies page, you can click on any of these feelings or experiences like fear, self-doubt, loneliness, disorientation, deeper connection to faith, excitement, anger, and read the real life um, blurbs, basically, from people who have gone through this themselves. I actually think that's a cool place to start on the mm. website. And and just to kind of feel like, oh, I'm not alone, uh, and you, you'll you'll inevitably recognize some of that language as something that you're going through, whether or not you have the words for that yet. So the website is so you're deconstructing.com. I think you buried that, so I'll say it for you. But um, <laughs> it's it's free. <laughs> We've said it a lot of times. There's no yeah. there's no Patreon or whatever. It's just a free resource. Uh, some of the communities that we list do cost some money to be in some of them are like mm-hmm. patron communities for instance like the you have permission one but some of them are not there are some free digital communities to be a part of even there's some that are run by 
licensed mental health professionals and, and stuff like that. So it's it's really not there's no really commerce angle here. Yeah, it's just a resource. So I have a community for this podcast, although there's podcast is not in my community. Like I don't proselytize this podcast there. I very rarely actually post things there, but it's it's a form of church for me. I really enjoy everything that goes on there. So if people are listening, find a community. Those are at least a safe place community. There, there's some, there's some ones that are not all that safe. So yeah, maybe we should add your. Uh, we should probably add. Yeah, your, I was gonna uh, say. Should you, we add you your? You can if you want. Right that's not. That's not an advertisement. But you can if you want. Um, but uh, it is protected, and you'd have to answer some questions. And one of the questions is like, if you produce content, you're not going to post it here, and that also applies to me. So, um, yeah, I, I play by my own rules there. So. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it, and we hope we can be helpful to you. Self-obsessed with a license to kill In the land of the vipers and shills Who think that the piety's real While the hitmen are firing her will I hold my breath and I try to be still Faint heartbeats, only life that I feel A cheap imitation of life that's real Truth is, I die to be healed Today's music is from one of my favorite artists, Heath McNeese. You should check out his stuff. It's brilliant. Now, many of you have questions. You feel uneasy with people as you wrestle with the concept of faith. I would really encourage you to take your time to find resources and to use resources like So You're Deconstructing, but there are others. And if you're not part of a community, a group that can help you feel welcome and whole, there is a list and I'm going to link it again in the show notes. And for those that are reading the transcript, I'm going to link it right here. There is a list of just Facebook groups and Patreon groups and Discord groups and all kinds of support groups here that are fantastic on this website and I really would encourage you to dive in and there are other groups like this that exist like there are there's the group for this show there is the what up project group there is your favorite heretics there are many 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 groups and so if you're listening and you feel like you don't have a place that you can be yourself openly if you're missing that know that those exist I'll talk to you next week I pray that you're well and that you're blessed. Trying to float with these chains holding me down for all my trespasses as a man. Mankind should have been my business instead of self-interest. Bottom lines and best intentions. All this time burning bridges and building temples and never considered the penalty for my sins against you. But when you're stuck here, it's like you never mattered. You're just vapor scattered. Fighting angels to get a better name And then afterwards we see them all scaling Jacob's ladder Shame on my hubris Shame on my pride Shame on these lies That I told countless times Just to keep people in line I got this long list of apologies to make To those I said I love when all I did was take I brought them close like I wanted them to stay And then I disappeared and left them harboring a shame But I'm the one to blame in this purgatory I made is how the coward stays far from all the flames so now I float away because somewhere between the cause and cure for pain is not a place for broken bodies to remain. I don't know what to do, so I'm turning to you. On the wing and a prayer and a hope of a fool.